to the Mission North Shore podcast. Lord Jesus, we come to you this morning because we need you. We come to you, Father, because we want to know you better than when we walk through these doors. We come to you, Father, because we're desperate for you because nothing else can satisfy like you do. Nothing else can fulfill like you do, Father God. Lord, help us to know what it means to walk closer with you, to, to embrace others like, like you embrace them, to show them the same love and compassion that you've shown us, Father God. Engage our hearts. Let us set aside all those distractions and all those things that could tear us from you, Lord Jesus. And just for these next few minutes, these next few moments in time, would we be completely and utterly yours. In your holy, precious name we pray. Amen. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me in them. To Matthew 18. Matthew 18, verses 1 through 5. It says, At that time, the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And he called a child to himself, and he set him before them said, truly I say to you, unless you are converted and become like children, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever then humbles himself as this child, he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. I hope this morning, God willing, to bring a little bit of, of innocence back into our lives. To, to shed, shed some light on, on, on some things to, to maybe actually shed those things that so easily entangle us. That keep us running. Those things that keep us running after meaningless, useless, life-stealing things. How many of you guys just get so tired sometimes of, of always chasing? Of always wanting what you can't have? Of always wanting something more? You ever get tired of just wanting what, what everyone else has? and Not only wanting what they have, but wanting a little bit more. Want to have a, a little bit bigger house than they do. A little bit faster car than they do. A little bit bigger truck than they have. I think Tripp's got us all beat in that, but you ever just get tired of, of just wanting what they have? Or maybe you're not so caught up in, in, in that rat race, but you're always wondering who it is that, that has the most, or who it is that, that has reached that level. You're always curious, uh, what are they able to accomplish that I can't, or what giftings do they have that maybe I don't have? How complicated things sometimes get. I, I just want to be able sometimes to just forget it all. I, I think my wife and I's heart sometimes is, is to do exactly that. 
our, our heart is definitely missions and it's on missions, but I think sometimes there has a little bit of the fact that within missions there is an escape. There is a, a little bit more purity in, in what it is that you're doing and what it is that per, you're pursuing. Not that it's any better than anything else, it's just kind of easier to define. But as I was reading this passage and, and I've been talking with people and, and praying over this passage and meditating on this passage, couldn't help but kind of get a little excited. This passage so beautifully portrays what it means to really pursue Christ. Most importantly, what it means to really receive Christ and the freedom that lies within that. So often we get caught up in in this life and things get so twisted, not only in the materialistic realm, but in the spiritual realm. And we've kind of got things convoluted and complicated. And I found myself, to my shame, at the same place that these disciples are at. The same place that these twelve men of God are at, having some of the same thoughts, some of the same concerns. If you look over in Mark 9, Mark 9 is kind of the, Mark 9.33 is kind of the parallel to that, and we're going to be be going back and forth. And in Mark it says they were discussing, and in Luke 9 it says that they were actually arguing. I love how Matthew just, Matthew just glosses over that little point just at that time. But see, they, they had been arguing as, as they're, they're coming to this place with, with Christ, they, coming to this house, they're, they're actually in argument over who is the greatest. Who's the greatest? Who's done the most? And, and I can kind of understand where this argument came from, not that I'm justifying it, but can understand where it came from because if you kind of put things into, into perspective a little bit or, or kind of set the scene a little bit, see, Jesus had, had just come off the Mount of Transfiguration, all right, where, where God said, this is my son in whom I am most pleased. He just come off of that experience, and there were only three of those 12 that got to experience that with him. Peter, James, and John, for those of you that weren't paying attention last week. Nine had to stay back. Nine were left behind. Nine missed out. And in verse 27 of chapter 17, we see that Jesus has just paid Peter's temple tax. Peter had come to, come to Christ, and, and, and Jesus said, I want you to go, go fishing, and you'll find a coin in the fish's mouth, and it will be enough to pay my tax and yours. We know it wasn't enough to pay the rest. So they've all got their, their ways that they can say, surely, surely I'm the greatest. Surely I've achieved a, a certain level, a certain standing with Christ. You know, maybe, maybe they're, they're thinking, well, I, I've, I've walked with him the longest. He, he called me first. 
We, we share the same cot. We, we rest our heads on the same pillow. We both like the same foods. Whatever. I don't know. Jesus calls me his beloved one. They've all got their, their things that they're reaching out to, to, to hold on to, to say, I'm the greatest. See, when you, when you get that many guys into one area for a long time, and all you women can attest to this, what's going to happen? It's going to turn into some sort of a competition. Shenanigans are definitely going to be involved when you get that many guys in one place at one time. They're going to try and... <laughs> I'm amazed at some of the things that, that I'll compete with. I work with a bunch of guys on the job site, and it seems like every day there's something that we find to compete with. Who, who can drive a nail the farthest, or who can carry the most sheeting, or who can haul the most two-by-fours, or who can drink a 44-ounce Coke the fastest, or that's not wise. Who can... There, there's just always some sort of, of competition that arises. And for them, I'm sure it was the same thing, you know. Maybe they've, they've, already, they've already gone through all that, that trivial stuff, and now they, they've moved on to, you know, to, to bigger things. Maybe it's, maybe it's who's cast out the most demons, you know. Maybe it's who's been able to see the most people come to Christ. Or maybe it's who gets to preach from the pulpit the most. Or maybe it's who's been serving in the children's ministry the longest. I don't know. I don't know, but, but they definitely were at this point in, in, in their walk where they, they were trying to define and trying to discern who was the greatest. And Mark, it, it, it says in the middle of all this, Jesus asks them, what are you arguing about? What are you arguing about? What has got you so focused so distracted, so concerned, you can't realize the enormity of this moment in time. See, Jesus has also just foretold his death and his resurrection, and I can't help but, but think that that had to have been weighing heavy on him coming to this place. And here they are in the midst of that in the middle of what it is that Jesus is doing to change people's lives, they were concerned about who is the greatest. Who's achieved the most? Who has the most ticks next to his name? And finally, when, when all this suspense is too much, someone from the back says, yeah, we are, we are kind of a little ashamed that, that we want to know this, but... Since we're already on the topic, who is the greatest? Jesus, you know us better than anyone. You know all that we've done for you. You've, you've been privy to, to all the ins and outs of, of our life and our walk as, as we've walked with you. Who is the greatest? And I love in response to that question what we get. Nothing. No proclamation. There's no words of truth that immediately follow. The immediate response to that is silence. He calls a child to himself and he sets him in the midst. 
I remember only one line, only one instance in the movie I, Robot. I can't even tell you anything about it. I know Will Smith was in it, I think. And, but I remember this, this statement. In that movie, this statement is made. You, they're, they're trying to get an answer. They're trying to get an answer from something, and they're, they're asking this computer. And the computer replies, you must ask the right question. We know that this isn't the right question that the disciples are asking because silence ensues. See, it's not about who is the greatest. That's the wrong question. It's about what is the greatest. The kingdom of heaven is never about us. Always, always about him. Never about us, but always about him. So what does Jesus do? I, I can't lay the scene out for you perfectly, but, but we know there's got to be children running around because Jesus calls one of them over and he sets him in the midst. And he utters this word. Truly I say to you, unless you are converted and become like children, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. The Greek there, in the midst, it, it means centrality, a pivotal point, something on which everything hinges. So he, he grabs this child, or he, he beckons this child, he calls this child over to him, and he, the disciples are gathered around, and he takes this little child and he ushers him right into the middle. So you guys all want to know who the greatest is. You know what it, you want to know what it means and, and what you've done to, to achieve that title. And let me show you something different. So without uttering a word, he, he walks over and he puts this child right in the middle of them all. And only then, only then does he speak. Truly I say to you, unless you are converted and become like children, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. See, children in Jesus' day were not like children today. In Jesus' day, children were completely subservient to their fathers. They had zero authority. A child's worth wasn't in in who he was, but in who his father was. Not in what the child could do for himself, but but what he could do for his father. You, You could say like in Mark 9, verse 35, that a, that a child was, was last of all and servant of all. The child was nothing apart from his father. The child had no right of his own, but only what the father had given him. In, in Jesus' day, it was, was a child's nature to follow his parents. Because apart from them, was death. This is something that the disciples would have understood. And in essence, Jesus is saying, your very nature must be that of a child. A child whose every movement 
every action, even their very existence was intertwined with their fathers. That very word converted means to be fused with, to be grafted into, to become one with. So the disciples are saying, who's the greatest? Jesus is saying this. Understand this. And even as the disciples are are trying to comprehend all of this, they're trying to wrap their mind about, about what this means, he blows their mind with this. In verse 5, he says, Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. Now, it's important to make a distinction at this point. See, in the first part of Matthew 18, he's kind of putting the child on display. He's, he's banking on the disciples' understanding of a child's nature, on the humility of a child, on the innocence of a child, the closeness and the, the oneness that a child shares with his father. But verse 5, in verse 5, it's on something different. It's on their understanding of the status of a child. If we jump over to Mark, we can see that a little bit more clearly. Mark 9, 36. You can read it with me. It says, In taking the child, he set him before them. Now we've already seen Jesus do this, but this is where things start to change. If you keep reading from there, it says, And taking him in his arms. He said in verse 37, Whoever receives one child like this in my name receives me. Whoever receives me does not receive me, but him who sent me. See, this is a completely different action now with the child. In the Greek, that phrase, taking him in his arms, literally means to embrace him. Jesus, the Son of God, reaches down, he picks up this little child. Pulls him to himself. See, the, the disciples had another understanding of children as well. The disciples knew children as, as the lowest in their society. The least, if you will. And here Jesus is saying, if you receive this child, if you receive the least these you embrace that, that culture, if you embrace that understanding of, of the least of these and, and you can hold that close to you, you receive me. If you can open your arms to them, you're opening your arms to me. Turn with me Matthew 25. I want to just pull something out real quick.
Matthew 25, we'll start in verse 31. But when the Son of God, man, comes in His glory, and all the angels with Him, He will sit on His glorious throne. And all the nations will be gathered before Him, and He will separate them from one another, as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And He will put the sheep on His right and the goats on the left. Then the King will say to those on His right, Come, you who are blessed of My Father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you? hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or naked and clothe you? And when? When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to the one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. See, in this last part, it's, not talking about children specifically, though they, they, are a, they are a part of that. We're talking about the least of them. The disciples came with a question, came out of their carnality. Who is the greatest? Jesus doesn't kill his desires. He channels it into something greater than even the disciples can fathom. You want to know greatness? Humble yourself like a child. You want to know greatness? Embrace the least of these. And in doing so, you receive me. Greatness isn't status. It's not a tangible level of of measurement. Greatness is closeness with God. Greatness is proximity with Him. And you can spend your whole life trying to figure out how can I get closer to him? How can I know him more? How can I just feel him just a little bit more? And Matthew so beautifully just lays it out here. Jesus so beautifully lays it out. You've come wanting to know what it means to be great. Humble yourself like a child. Embrace those around you that that maybe don't share the same status as you do. Maybe the strangers, maybe the, the sick, the poor. Embrace those around you, and in doing so, you receive me, and not only me, but the one who sent me. And that's powerful, guys. Jesus has given us a step-by-step guide to a more, a more intimate a more fulfilling walk with Christ. They wanted to be greater than. And Jesus brings them to a point where they could understand that nothing, nothing is greater than a deeper, closer, more intimate walk with Him. Receive them, you receive me. 
there's been been a lot of excitement, a lot of talk about the move to two services. And with that, there there comes a lot of a lot of challenges. A lot of things have to be tweaked and, and moved and, and changed, and a lot more hands have to come to the ready, and a lot more scheduling and all that stuff. A lot of more a lot more energy, all that stuff that has to be you know figured out. You know what excites me most about that? Is the opportunity that we are going to now have to receive more. To receive more of Christ. To love more. To embrace more. And doing so, to know more of my Father and my greatest love. You see the righteous asking in verse 38, when, when did we see you? When? When did we do this? What an amazing opportunity that we have for that to be now. When? When did we? You did it now. You did it when you you gave that that stranger arrived. You did it when you invited those people you didn't even know over to your house. You did it when you picked up that child and wiped the snot from his face and loved on him a little bit. You did it when you when you babysit your neighbor's kids so they could have a, a moment to themselves. You, you did it when you went and visited people in the hospital. You did it when you gave up your surf session so you could go spend some time with your friends. And Dare I say it, you did it when you gave up the comfort of your own Super Bowl Sunday to invite a stranger into your home and minister to them. When did we? So where are we this morning? Are we arguing with each other like the disciples were? Who's the greatest? Is that where we're at? Surely no one in, in here is at that point. Are we arguing over who's the greatest? Are we in need of some, some forgiveness this morning? Re- some redemption from a, from a self-edifying, lifeless pursuit? We need some redefining this morning? Maybe, maybe we need a little... Humility. And trust me, it's always better to choose humility than to be humiliated. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 holds this promise for us. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away, and behold, new things have come. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. He's taken on a, a new nature. The old things have passed away. We're, we're not in this alone. We have been remade with a new nature, a new closeness, a new intimacy with Christ that we could never have experienced before. So many times we think it's, it's just our innate nature to, to go after these things, but that's not really 
our nature. That's the old way of doing things. That's the, that's the old way of going after things. That's the before Jesus. This is the after Jesus. New things have come. Or maybe today we're, we're just simply at the point where we need to, to open our arms to understand the blessing that, that are coming our way, the blessings that are coming our way. To take joy in the knowledge that in, in embracing the least of these, we receive more and more of our beautiful, glorious Savior. See, it's not, isn't it something I'm just making up? It's not something I'm just pulling out of the, the hat. It's, it's right here. It's not like Jesus is saying, try this. This, this might work. It's not like, well, if, you, if you've done everything else, you could give this a go. He's saying, you want more of me? Embrace more of them. You want to know me better? Get to know them better. You want to love me more? Love them more. One thing I've always felt here and one thing I've always enjoyed is the community and the family that's here. It's such a privilege to be a part of this church, of this community. I want to remind everyone that we are in this together. And to that end, the worship team is coming. We're going to have people on the sides that would, would love to pray with you encourage you, to embrace you. If you feel the need, if, wherever you're at in this point, that's the beauty of, of God is He's willing to meet you right there. He's willing to meet me right there. Meet us. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, You are so awesome, Father God. I thank you for making things so simple. Father, forgive us for, for getting it so twisted and upside down. And Lord Jesus, we just want to know you more. Lord, forgive us for, for putting ourselves above you. Forgive us for putting ourselves above each other. Lord Jesus, we choose to humble ourselves before you, Father God. Get us out of the way, Jesus, so that you can do with us as you see fit. Father, the, Father God, teach us how to love. Show us what that means. Again, you've already you've already showed us so perfectly, but Father God, show us again what it means to love. Let us never lose sight of the love that you've had for us and, and what it meant when you gave up everything. Just to give us the opportunity to know you, Father God. Lord Jesus, we, we just want to know you more. We thank you for that promise, Father God, that if you receive them, you receive me.
So Jesus, we open our arms. We open our arms to whoever it is that you choose to bring into our lives, Father God. Knowing that if we receive them in your name, like you have promised, we receive them. If you'd like to know more about our ministry here at The Mission, visit us online at www.themissionnorthshore.org. Thanks for listening, and God bless.